What's up, guys? Welcome to the show, God and Government. Every Wednesday at 11 o'clock, I'm Pastor Stewart. This is Pastor Brandon. Good to be with you all, as usual. Uh, before we even get started, though, we got to talk about something. I don't know if everybody saw our fancy new artwork on the pre-feed. Um, shout out to Cody yeah, Gross, nice. who's one of our volunteers, working to help make sure that all these things work and look nice. Look nice. I love that logo, it, it Cody. Looks, it looks real good, you know. It's got, um, you know, justice, the cross, all yeah, those things. Yeah, Cody might need to together. come on to this show, do a little explaining. <laughs> we got a cross and scales of justice. Oh, I like it. Oh, I like it. He's speaking my language. <laughs> You're in there. I had a feeling he would be. Yeah. I had a feeling that he would be. I, you know, one of the greatest things about that logo is that cross. There's no body on it. <laughs> Ain't yeah. nobody on it. You got an empty cross <laughs> and an empty tomb because he's on the throne. That's right. Amen. Preach it, brother. Amen. Hit that organ. It says a lot. We need a Hammond. <laughs> oh, we need a Hammond in here. Oh, we can get it done. So thank you so much, Cody. Appreciate you very much. All our volunteers who are helping behind the scenes to kind of make this these programs actually work. Yes. Uh, it takes more than just two guys talking in front of microphones to pull all this stuff off. We've yes, got great indeed. churches full of uh, servants who are ready to help execute all these things. It means a ton to us and yeah. I'm sure to everybody else who's watching these and things. And you know that there are even folks who haven't contributed to this media wing of Christ Church. The media wing. <laughs> yeah. There is a way to contribute right now. That sounds official. Do you know what that is? What is that? To share. that's right to share the feed it's true people get an opportunity to hear things i guarantee you that they're not hearing anywhere else in the state of louisiana maybe like in one church possibly in Baton Yeah, but we got a cool we got a cool (laughs) you know media wing (laughs) so interject your pastors Mm. into your friends social media feeds be that guy. By sharing. By share. But just click that button. Eva- basic evangelism. Go ahead and jump in there, there guys. There you go. Safe space. Easy Safe to space. do. Easy way to publicly confess. There you go. Yeah. No joke. No joke. Ashley Dupuy says that quarantine feels like normal life now. <laughs> <laughs> She's not wrong. I've kind of settled into a new routine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know there's a lot of folks out there who are just, you know, losing their minds. Yeah. Depression. And, oh, yeah. And uh, concern over finances. We hope to bring you some, some good news today. Amen. We hope for this show to liven you, to uh, strengthen your spirit, bring you some encouragement. Absolutely. We're going to be talking about Christian activism. Well, hold on. That sounds like a trigger phrase, right? I don't know if that's appropriate. Should we even be discussing that? Christian that's, activists. Christian sound, activism. You sound like a progressive. A little clickbait right there. <laughs> Turn that off. No, we're Quit gonna, all that We're nonsense. going to um, lay out the basis for Christian activism. Mm. Christians engaging in the calling right. of politics. And when you say activism, you mean like prayer vigils. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You mean like just reading our Bibles quietly at home. Well, I'd be happy, you know, for some of that. <laughs> Jericho's walls fell down with just um, trumpet blowing. Ooh, so <laughs> That's true. You know? Do we have any trumpet players in the audience? Yeah, I don't know. I, do we have anyone that's willing to march around Jericho? We'll see. Ooh. We'll see. We'll get into this. That's true. You know, um, true. as we segue into our subject this morning, mm. recently I had a meeting with a bunch of fellow pastors, good guys, um, brothers. So we're not completely blacklisted yet. No, not yet. No, no, no. no. So in this meeting, 
we were discussing what we could do together, what we could uh, do in association with one another. Okay. And this was a meeting that was taking place all over the state. Hundreds and hundreds of churches involved in these meetings. Figuring out how to work together. Yeah, to like what can we goal. do? What is our goal? What is our purpose? Mm. Um, and I, what I said was, together we could confess Christ to Baton Rouge. And I mean, to the Capitol building. We like to could, the government. To the government, yeah, yeah, to the state. We could, you know, we, individually we don't have platforms. Mm-hmm. Individually we have no leverage. Not that God needs platform or leverage. He can accomplish victory with little or or a lot. Right, right. But I said, you know, collectively, we could uh, confess Christ. We could blow the trumpets in the area of politics, in the area of civil government. Okay, okay. To Baton Rouge, quote unquote. Okay. You know, and the leader of these meetings, great guy, he said, you know, Brandon, in all of these meetings throughout the entire state, you're the only one that has suggested this. Suggested talking politically. Going live concerning the area of politics. That's right. Mm. Confessing Christ in politics. Now, I know there's tons of people that agree with that. Right. Um, maybe I was just the only one that said it at those particular meetings. But I want to lay out today why I believe that. Okay. Why the church, Christians, <clears throat> should be engaged in politics okay. should be Christian activists, you know, quote unquote. Okay. If John Piper can say Christian hedonist, I can say Christian activist. <laughs> right? For all my John Piper lovers out there. But we need to start writing books real fast. Then. Right, right. Let's get this going. Well, look, we're going to start with Daniel chapter four. We're not going to read this whole chapter. I think that our listeners are fairly familiar with this story. Okay. All 375 200,000 viewers. Yeah, 13. Thir- okay. Well, hey, guys. You know, Jesus only had 12. There you go. Sort of. We, we got one more. <laughs> so it worked. Right. There was one who was a Judas, though. You know, that's, you know, that's scary. So we've already... Okay. Uh, let's move on before this gets... <laughs> it gets dicey. Daniel chapter 4. This is King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, standing over his, the vastness of his empire, looking out, filled with pride. He says... Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of majesty? Mm. When hmm. government officials start speaking this way, honestly, when anyone starts speaking this way, right. we all want to take a few steps back. You know, <laughs> lightning has a circumference, it has a range. You want to be at least 20 feet away. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> give, give yourself a, a, a healthy cushion. That's right. Just in case. You know, Herod started speaking this way, and he died from worms eating him out from the inside. I mean, I just, you know, when someone starts speaking this way, this is scary. You're waiting for them to have what is called the Nebuchadnezzar moment. Okay, okay. While the word was still in the king's mouth, pagan king over Babylon, you know, exalting himself to be God, a voice fell from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. Boom. Then the prophecy continued that he would be driven out to the fields. He would be labeled non-essential. He would lose all of, <laughs> he would lose all of his kingdom. He would no longer be able to have a haircut. His hair would grow long and crazy, and he would eat grass um, like a, a wild animal. And, and the Bible says, 
uh, immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled, and he was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle. So he went mad, in other words. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. You're totally irrelevant, totally lost his kingdom, no platform, no leverage, you know, trampled under the feet of men, hmm. uh, a nobody, hmm. non-essential, irrelevant. Hmm. <clears throat> and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Daniel chapter 4. So, this lesson, now it, it took some time, um, but this lesson was not lost on King Nebuchadnezzar and on all of his subjects, his counselors. Okay. It says in Daniel chapter 4, but at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. I like that. Mm-hmm. We often think of, you know, heaven as, you know, up there, out there. Right. Heaven is that realm of God's presence that other reality that is over and above and transcendent um, to this universe. And he addressed that realm Mm -hmm. to the sovereign in that realm in heaven. And and my reason returned to me, said Nebuchadnezzar. Hmm. He got his thinking straight. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. Hmm. You know, Nebuchadnezzar thought, you know, it's time for me to go to church. You know, he is worthy of worship. I need to just bless him and praise him and worship him. Right. Stop exalting yourself and exalt right. God. Yeah. But then he gives the basis for his exaltation of God. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. Our listeners may not be familiar with this word dominion. Mm-hmm. It's kingdom, rule, sovereignty. God's sovereignty, God's rule, God's kingdom, God's dominion is an everlasting dominion. It's timeless. Right. You know? Right. It is um, over and above history. It's mm-hmm. everlasting. And his kingdom endures from generation to generation. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven. The king of heaven. Political ruler, King Nebuchadnezzar of a pagan nation, Babylon, exalting the king of heaven, the true sovereign and ruler. For all his works are true and his ways just and he is able to humble those who walk in pride, mm. specifically rulers, kings, those who exercise authority in the civil realm, who exalt themselves over and above God. Mm. God is able to humble, clearly. Right. So let's just chat a little bit. Maybe some of the folks uh, listening can comment. What lessons did Nebuchadnezzar learn? Mainly he learned that God is sovereign. God is sovereign over all things. Right. God is transcendent, holy other. This universe is a theocracy. It is ruled by God, no other. Mm-hmm. He learned mm-hmm. that God is sovereign. What, there, all, what all do we know from Scripture that God rules over? You know, maybe some people want to put it in the comments. What does God rule over? What is he sovereign over? <laughs> Everything. Everything. <laughs> right. Easy answer. Yeah. Right. What about uh, weather? You know, snow and dew and that storm that was last night. And yeah. Viral epidemics, you know. Is God in control of those things? Yeah. Is he, he is. sovereignly ruling over? Yes, the Bible says explicitly he's over the snow. He's mm-hmm. over lightning, dew, sparrows. He's over all the animal creatures, birds of the heaven, the fish of the sea. Mm-hmm. He rules over history. He rules over the developments. Mm-hmm on earth as history transpires. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. He declares the end from the beginning, Isaiah 46. Karma, 
does not rule over history. Amen, listeners? It's not that God established this world and then wound it up like a, a clock, and now gravity and various other natural laws and cause and effect and other scientific principles and laws rule over this world. No, God sovereignly rules personally, mm-hmm. providentially, intimately over this entire world. Not chance, not laws of nature, not karma, sovereignty, personal, right. providential, hands-on. Right. David Riley is in our feed with us today. Hey, David, how are you doing? He dropped a Bible verse in for us, Psalm 24, 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. All the world, all who live in it, for he found it upon the seas and established... He founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Amen. In other words, he rules over all of it. Yeah, it's that's the his. summary. We're done. Mm. We're done here this morning. Right. Good show. All right, guys. <laughs> See you all next week. God rules over the hearts and lives of men as well. Mm-hmm. Over mm-hmm. the insides. You know? He works in Christians so that they might will and work for his good pleasure. Mm. He rules over the hearts of non-believers as well. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 16:9. He rules over collective men. So he rules over men as they come together corporately mm-hmm. in various oaths and covenants and organizations. He rules over collective men and nations. Mm-hmm. For the kingdom is the Lord's. And he rules over the nations. Where in the Bible says that there's not a king who's established that the Lord didn't put there. Amen. Romans chapter 13. They mm-hmm. all are instituted by God and they only have authority as derived from God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Every- Psalm 103.19. Mm-hmm. That's what Nebuchadnezzar learned. The hard way. Yes. <laughs> Not the easy way. Yeah, you don't, I mean, when you are forced to move out into a field and become completely irrelevant and to lose, you know, your entire um, estate and all of your platform and power and leverage, mm-hmm. you are essentially, you're, you're non-essential. Mm-hmm. When that happens to you, the lesson you have to learn, I think at least to some degree, um, among many other lessons, is that the Lord is actually sovereign over all things. Mm. Mm-hmm. The Lord rules over all things. Right. I, this is, I think, the basis of Christian activism. First, come to the conclusion that God is indeed sovereign over everything. A- amen. To acknowledge it, mm-hmm. he's over everything. Right. There is no spot that he is not sovereign over. Mm-hmm. There is no jurisdiction. You know, my property has property stakes that, that outline the, uh, the government's um, <laughs> property there that I steward for them as a bond servant. Right. Right. The king's lands. Yeah, that's right. But God, there's no property stakes in God's kingdom. Right. Right. It's well, over the entire universe. And I think that if you talk to any person in the country who professes Christ and you said, God's sovereign over all things... I think all of them would say, yes, amen. amen. Well, you know good. what I mean? But I don't know that they would functionally go as far as we're going here today. I think they would say, yes, God is sovereign, but this is the way that you need to interact with this person or this type of government yeah. or these people. Sure. Well, we're going to help people take sovereignty to the next level, Ooh. to the logical conclusion. Ooh. Christian activism begins, as you said, with acknowledging that God is sovereign over all things. Mm-hmm. But then, and here's where it's not just something inside the heart, mm-hmm. okay? It's not just a slogan that the church puts on a banner. Right. That's where you begin, okay? Well, actually, the slogan is pretty good. 
because that involves the next step, which is declaring it, mm-hmm. confessing it. Mm-hmm. So we acknowledge it in our heart, but we confess it with our lips that we God is sovereign loud. over all things. All of Christ in all of life. Amen. You just confessed it. Confessed that the Lord is God and sovereign over all things, over every area of life. In all our ways, we want to acknowledge him mm-hmm. so that he can direct our paths in all areas of life. Amen. So as a Christian activist, the first and foremost thing we're doing is simply preaching, proclaiming, modeling, showing, demonstrating, confessing. Mm -hmm. We interact in all areas of life, including the political sphere, including civil uh, sphere, Mm -hmm. with open Bibles, publicly professing God is sovereign over this. Mm. He is sovereign over all. He rules. He determines. That's what, that's what Nebuchadnezzar learned. We, we essentially want to rise to the level of Nebuchadnezzar and confess God is sovereign over all things. And we want to learn it by revelation and not by experience. We, <laughs> right. And I would say this, that the church is the salt of this world. And when the salt has lost its savor, mm-hmm. right? And I do believe these things are connected. When the salt is no longer in the world acting as a preservative. When the salt is irrelevant. You could say it that way. Then it is good for nothing but to be thrown into the streets as a de-icer and to be trampled under the feet of, you know, Gentiles, Hmm. of tyrants. Hmm. I do believe that as the church continues to fall short of Nebuchadnezzar's confession that we will become increasingly irrelevant and increasingly under tyranny of pagans who lord it over us. Hmm. Right? Okay. No, I just, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Oh, that's good. Right? But the, the immediate response is, so what you're saying is Sharia law. <laughs> so you're, you want to cut people's hands off for theft like the Muslims do. Whoa. Right? Oh, what you're saying is you want to go back to the Inquisition's. Right. What you're saying is, okay, insert comment about Salem witch trials, insert comment about, oh, I wish we could stay balanced, you know, insert comment here about this and that. Listen, this is propaganda. This is propaganda. This is what you get when you uh, go surfing on Google. Right. This is not what we're saying at all. Hmm. This is a false, slanderous propaganda that is that is placed on Christians who confess God's sovereignty over the political sphere. Hmm. This is hmm. not at all what we're saying. Well, and I think if we think about it for a second, whenever we talk about things like abortion, we want the government to act a certain way in that particular sphere. We say, hey, regarding abortion, you need to stop it. You're not yes. allowed to do that. Yes. And we quote Bible verses to support us saying, hey, you should stop doing abortion. Here's some Bible verses to say it. But we're failing to say what does all of the Bibles have to say about right. what you're doing in all things? That's right. And, and, and we're going to get to that a little bit, mm-hmm. but there are certain areas that have been deemed socially acceptable to talk about. Okay. Politics is dirty. Politics is earthly. Politics is lesser than heavenly spiritual things. Mm-hmm. But you can talk about abortion and the definition of marriage and homosexuality. We're going to talk about that because it has to do with a sphere of family which the church does confess Christ's lordship over. Mm -hmm. It's the sphere of the government, of civil authority, that the church, the evangelical church, is failing to acknowledge Christ's lordship over. Mm. That's generally speaking. 
Okay. In other words, what we're saying at this point is that Christian activism begins with confession, that, that public confession. You know, um, HBO slogan, I don't know what it is now, but at one point it was no limits. HBO, no limits. <laughs> sounds dangerous. <laughs> Let's put that into Bible words. No law, right? Antinomianism, lawlessness, no standards, no morality, hmm. no virtues, hmm. no commandments, no God, autonomous man, full and total liberty, satanic. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no limits. What we're saying as political activists is God, God, no limits. That he has okay. no limits, no boundaries, mm-hmm. not man. Mm-hmm. Man's authority is derived. It's subservient. God is sovereign. And so as, a, as someone who is developing a, a theory of Christian activism, mm-hmm. this is what it is. It's a public, humble confession of fealty to King and God, uh, our sovereign God. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Public Humble fealty to God. Sure. It's what Daniel did. It's what Joseph did. It's what got them in prison. Mm-hmm. Publicly confessing the fealty to God. And in the world that we live in now, we should say out loud that when we start doing this, you will end up marginalized, pushed yeah. aside by the society as a whole. I mean, we've experienced well, and by this other already. Christians. Yeah, and by other Christians too. Or people who would claim Christ and actually, you know, you realize, judge not, lest ye be judged. Right. You know, don't do that. You shouldn't say things that like that. That is a law that is still in force. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and what we're trying to do here is if, if people will listen and be teachable, we're going to try to take them through these to, to try to basically, um, you know, uh, do battle against the propaganda. Hmm. Right. We're going to take them through this so they can see our hearts for engagement in the public sphere. Right. Think of um, that ancient martyr, Polycarp, right? i got to turn my phone over. <laughs> it keeps buzzing at you. <laughs> Polycarp. Think of that ancient martyr, Polycarp. Yeah. Now, I've recently, uh, I've heard this story numerous times throughout my Christian life, but I recently heard it again, uh, freshly, and it just, it gave me the chills. Okay. This man, he's in his 80s, 86 years old. Okay. He is, you know, uh, turned in by one of his neighbors. Somebody in church turned him in. Um, they go to his house, the soldiers plead with him, Hey, listen, um, how could, why would it, why would it hurt to just go ahead and confess fealty to Caesar? You know, just declare Kaiser Kurios, Caesar is Lord and offer up the incense, offer up the, you know, a token of praise. Right. Um, now, we should say historical context here. The church was being persecuted, and like one of the ways that they were being persecuted was they were being cr- required to worship Caesar right. in the sense that they would burn incense towards him. The gospel goes out, Christos, Kurios, Christ is Lord, Jesus is Lord. Which means Caesar is not. It, and, it, <laughs> and it runs head on with uh, worship of the state. In Western civilization, the state has been one of the alternate Christs, mm-hmm. one of the ultimate, alternate gods. Um, that was the way it was in ancient Rome and in many other civilizations. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is Lord came into direct con- conflict with Caesar is Lord. Mm-hmm. And so what, one of the things the Romans did was they said, you can keep your religions, but you do have to openly confess fealty to Caesar mm-hmm. as Lord. 
Mm-hmm. And and polytheistic religions have no problem with that. Right. You know, just add Caesar to, on the on the on the shelf. Right. Right. But Christians see Caesar as subservient. Right. He has derived authority. Hmm. He has legitimate authority where he um, obeys God, mm-hmm. but is derived. And so we cannot exalt Caesar as Lord. There is only one Lord. Mm. There's only one name over man. Mm-hmm. Right? There is only one king of kings. And so Polycarp refused to do this. Mm-hmm. And when he was hauled in to, uh, to account for this, he said this, and this is a, just a touching, this is where I want to be if I make it to 86 years old. Okay, mm-hmm. He said, 86 years have I served him. Well, now that I'm reading that, maybe he was older, you know, Hmm. Mm -hmm. who knows? 86 years have I served Jesus and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? Hmm. Notice what he's saying is Jesus has always kept his promises and his covenant to me. He's always been good to me. Why would I blaspheme him Hmm. by exalting in this alternate Lord, Caesar? Right. Polycarp publicly confessed God's sovereignty over Rome in full view of the, of the pitched timbers, in full view of the bonfire ready to be lit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Christians in his day and age begged him to be more reasonable, to consider his age, to consider his frailty. What could it hurt? Why do you have to die on this hill? Right. Even the Roman soldiers couldn't understand what was at stake. They threatened him. They said, I, the, uh, the proconsul said, I have wild animals here. I will throw you them if you do not repent. You notice the use of terminology. It's interesting there. Right. Polycarp said, call them. It is unthinkable for me to repent from what is good to turn to what is evil. Hmm. I'd be glad, though, to be changed from evil to righteousness. <laughs> hmm. Mm-hmm. If you despise animals, I will have you burned. He said this, still confessing God's sovereignty and rulership and dominion over all earthly powers. Mm. You threaten me with fire, which burns for an hour and is then extinguished. But you know nothing of the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment reserved for the ungodly. Why are you waiting? Bring on whatever you want. <laughs> Bring it. Man, this is our heritage. Yeah. This is, our, this is our ancestor in the faith. Mm. Mm. Listen, Jesus Christ goes forth to conquer. His kingdom advances. His rule and dominion is over all. Mm-hmm. He holds a sword. But where is that sword? As it's depicted in the vision of Revelation, he's not holding the sword in his hand. Mm-hmm. He has a scepter in his hand. The, the right of dominion. The sword comes from his mouth Hmm. because he conquers through his church's open confession, open proclamation Hmm. of the gospel, of the rulership of Jesus Christ over all nations, Hmm. over the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and session of Jesus Christ over all things. We have to acknowledge him and publicly confess it. This is our main part to play. Mm -hmm. He has a crown. He has a sword, a scepter, a crest, and a title deed. These are the images that depict Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Since the ascension, right? This is not some sweet little meek priest, you know, stuck in a corner over in sunset. Right. Right? This is the universal Lord 
over all things. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you look, so if you read through all of the Bible and you see all the times that Jesus's people are arrested and confession is demanded, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, their response is always the same. We were not going to change. We're right. holding fast. And if you look through church history, even very recent church history, um, the stories of the martyrs and things like that, we see the exact same thing happening. They hold fast to their confession. They right. won't let it go. And there is a, I mean, at least for me, whenever I read stories like this, there's a power that's almost like palpable from something like this. And I think we're starting to hit, hit the nail on the head quite a good bit. It's about the confession and holding fast to it and not wavering no matter what, being that voice even in times of persecution, right? under threat. Mm-hmm. Amen. How do we know, you know or, or how do we understand God, is God the Father sovereign or is Jesus sovereign? Let me say this real quickly. This is the good news of the ascension. That the God-man, Jesus Christ, has been exalted and placed at the right hand of the Father and given dominion. Mm-hmm. All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. And he must reign until he puts all of his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be defeated is death. And then the end will come. This is what Jesus Christ is up to. He is going forth to conquer. A sword comes from his mouth, which is the public proclamation and confession of his church. This sword is called the sword of the spirit for the spirit of God has been sent into this world to convict the world of sin and righteousness and justice Mm -hmm. um, and judgment. And the church goes forth triumphantly confessing Christ as Lord, proclaiming the gospel. Jesus is Lord. He offers terms of surrender. Mm -hmm. He offers forgiveness. All nations will bow to him. The spirit empowers their word and the kingdom advances. This is the meaning of history. Mm-hmm. This is what's happening. The church is decent. The, I mean the conservative evangelical church, of which I'm a part, and mm-hmm. therefore I feel a little bit more at liberty to speak to, is decent, I would say, at confessing Christ's lordship over the family. Mm-hmm. The institution of the family established by God with certain roles in a certain order, certain hierarchy, etc. Right, yeah. right. Pretty yeah. decent at that. You're not going to get a lot of feathers ruffled unless you get into the details of it. Sure. Right? The church is decent over exercising Jesus' lordship over the church. Right? Right. I feel we're failing on all, all three accounts, but comparatively decent. As long as we you don't get into the biblical um, understanding of the church and church polity and how a church should be governed and, and all that is taught to us in the pastoral epistles about um, the qualifications of elders and mm. how a church government should be established mm. and, and, mm. and the basis of authority of a church. As long as you don't get into that, We're doing okay. you're not going to ruffle any feathers. <laughs> as long as you don't get too detailed, everyone can genuinely agree, yeah, Jesus is king over the family and the church, okay? But there are three institutions sacredly ordained by God three of which have individuals called ministers of God for our good. Mm-hmm. And the third one is the civil sphere. Mm-hmm. Civil authorities, the one of which Nebuchadnezzar was a prime example. The church has failed, by and large, the conservative evangelical church, by and large, not totally, of course, mm-hmm. but I mean consistently across the board, failed to confess Christ's lordship over civil authorities hmm. over the state and I got to tell you government. so like um, I got invited 
I don't even remember how long ago it was, a year, 18 months ago to go pray at the one of the inaugurations for elected officials here in town. And we live in Opelousas, and Opelousas is a, is a religious community, you know. And so whenever you get invited to go to these things, there's the token thing that you say. And, and I was just kind of starting to learn more about how God is sovereign over uh, specifically the sphere of government. And so I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go read the psalm, kiss the sun, lest he be angry, and it's going to be fun. Whoa. And uh, that was... It was a very interesting moment because you're still, you're, you're speaking truth to power. But you mentioned judgment and wrath. <laughs> yeah. Accountability. Was, hey, law. guys, you're accountable to God. So let's do this thing right. Good and for it, you. It was, um, it was, it was scary yeah. because it was, this is not the way that all these other pastors who were here were lined no, up. No, no, no. Pastors are, sub, are chaplains. Right. We're not prophets. And it was, it was awkward. It was. I haven't been invited to many things since then, you know, but we still get to go every now and then. But it was, there was an, an uncomfortable sense in me the whole time because I was aware this is not normal. Yeah, this sure. is this is not the socially acceptable you're still, you're trying on methodology of, of <laughs> being awkward. a pastor in the community. And it was it was a, it was a scary moment, um, but it was interesting to see how it all played out. Were there out any other uh, church leaders that were like, "Good for you"? Way for way to confess Christ, Christ's authority and sovereignty over the civil realm. No, I don't no. think so. You're not People be, didn't really clap after of. I was done either. Like the other guys, they no clapped clapping. after. For me, it was like, yeah, maybe. That's a, that's a tough moment. <laughs> it was that's a fun, tough though. moment. It was. You didn't it was even open up the Bible and say, "Now, what does Jesus say about having your primary source of income being a casino?" <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the moment right there. We didn't start there. You would have yet. got gonged, boy. You would have been ushered off quick. The hook would have come across right there in that moment. But how, you know, we're not anywhere near, but how amazing would it be if we had Christians engaged in public, in the public arena, ministers called by God to that vocation, mm-hmm. and they were doing that every day, mm-hmm. living in light of that every day. Wow. Okay, so what about separation of church and state, Pastor Stewart? <laughs> right. That's not, that's not how this works, right? We, we, right. Keep, we stay in our own Do we have any listeners? If, we, if we don't have we any more listeners, back. right? Well, Everybody left. Every- no. <laughs> <laughs> we got a strong crowd. Folks are in. Yeah, okay. Folks are in. So what about separation of church and state? I'll begin by saying this. The whole thing is propaganda. Right? <laughs> it's... No one is arguing that the church and the state should be melded into one. Right. Well, at least I'm not. Right. And nor are we arguing that the church should be over the state or the state should be over the church. Right. This is not Sharia law. This is not the inquisitions of the Middle Ages. It's a totally different worldview. This is all three spheres submitting to the sovereignty of God and his rule through his king appointed since the ascension, Jesus Christ. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Three separate sovereign spheres with three separate jurisdictions given by God, ruling in the name of Jesus. Mm. This is not um, the church and state melded together. You see, what is, what is happening here is when the church calls for the state to submit to God, they say separation of church and state. We're not arguing that the state and church needs to be synthesized. We're saying that the state needs to submit to God. Right. right, which I think if we if we slow down and we just think about that concept, should our governing authorities submit to the authority of God over them? Again, I think everybody would say, of course they should. That, that's an easy that's an easy conclusion. I think to it's draw. when you press the details. 
does character matter? We don't even use the Bible word anymore. When we mm. talk about civil authorities, we say words like character. Right. We don't no. say, are Do they ethics moral? as revealed in the scripture, mm. commandments, obedience, matter in civil magistrates? Mm. Like, that's a question you're going to have Christians divided on. We're not electing a a pastor we're electing a president right as though jesus's ethics have nothing to do with the realm of the state right and here's right. the problem and this is why we have the problem we're having right now when you remove god as the sovereign over the civil sphere civil authorities begin to think themselves to be god hmm. it is the history of western civilization hmm. it is what all the nations of the west have gone through hmm. and it's what we're going through as well but let me just break this down a little bit more all three institutions are ordained by God and under God. They all are sacred. So we're there is not the, a secular sacred divide. We're They're talking all about sacred. state, family, church, Civil, all three institutions. Family, church are the three godly ordained institutions that we read of in scripture. Mm -hmm. We can develop other institutions like homeowners association. That's fine, but that's not a directly God ordained one, mm -hmm. right? Okay. These three are directly ordained by God. And think about what the Pharisees came or not just the Pharisees, but the, you know, the rulers of the day came to Jesus saying, should we render to Caesar? You know, should we pay taxes, and not pay taxes? Remember that old um, right. dilemma. And Jesus said, what he said, render unto Caesar, the things that are Caesar's, and to God, the things that are God's. Jesus, and here's the, here's the crux of the matter. Jesus did not mean to say that Caesar has a lane and God has a lane and Caesar is autonomous. Okay. What he meant to say was Caesar has some legitimate jurisdictions, but God is over all. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. it was a rebuke against the particular group he was talking to. Mm -hmm. He mm -hmm. was rebuking them for not rendering to God all hmm. i mean who, what would we say to caesar himself but that he should render to god the things that are gods and what are the things that are gods all things all things right this is what this is what joseph understood when he ruled as a civil magistrate in a pagan kingdom in egypt hmm. right god had ordained civil authorities even over the pagan nations and joseph a christian Right? was ruling in the name of God, openly, publicly, and he got in a lot of trouble for it, but he was also exalted by God for it. Mm -hmm. This is what Joseph understood. He was a minister of God for the good of man. Mm. Gideon, right? Gideon was in politics. Deborah in politics. Samuel in politics. David in politics. Saul, politics. Josiah, ne Nehemiah, Daniel. <laughs> The entire Old Testament is filled with Christians engaging in politics in the name of God mm. Mm. Right? as ministers of God for man's good. They all understood Proverbs 11, verses 10 through 11. Listen to this. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there is glad shouting. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. This is talking about civil magistrates. When they do justice and they punish the wicked and they reward the righteous and they follow what God calls them to follow mm -hmm. by the blessing of the upright, that's righteous civil magistrates, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it's torn down. Or the simpler one to understand is righteousness exalts a nation, 
Righteousness exalts a people. Righteousness exalts a city or a town. But sin is a disgrace to them. Hmm. Sin tears them apart. Right. God is over all. He ordains all three spheres. He has ministers in each with roles and jurisdictions. And Christians can find a calling hmm. in all three. Mm-hmm. Right? This is, and, and in that calling, they must publicly confess Christ as king of kings. Right. This is the heart of political activism. Hmm. All right. Folks thinking any pushback, any questions? Uh, we got a, a few comment exchanges that we'll be we'll be jumping in on later on. All right. We'll let, deal with those let later. Let some folks uh, talk through. Joe, Pastor Joe's got some questions for discussion. Um, Gabby cool. Daigle's in here with us. Aaron Vaughn is in here with some comments. All right. Monica hey Gross asks. Is Pastor Joe's question a trick question? Oh, yeah. Well, we'll so come back got, to those questions. We got some good stuff. Because we haven't even got to the good stuff yet. Okay, here we go. All here right. we go. Now, let's go to the time of Jesus. Okay. And I'm just going to have to assert several things here. And if people want to reject my assertions, that's totally fine. They can do this research on the, their own. Okay, here we go. But there were various factions alive and well in the church or in, you know, the religious uh, world of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Two of the most prominent were the Pharisees and the Herodians. Mm-hmm. Right? You can do a little research on these particular groups. The Pharisees were separatists. Okay. They separated from that which was dirty, you know, mm-hmm. secular, you know, earthy. They were, you know, they floated above the ground three inches, spiritual. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. were all, of, all, of, all about... Um, spiritual maturity in the heart, those sorts of things that we think of as church-related things, Okay, unfortunately. Okay. okay. So they were isolated, separated from everything else. Yeah. The Pharisees withdrew from the occupations of power and influence, politics, to focus on spiritual things, mm-hmm. you know, more important things. The Herodians were more like um, modern-day social justice Christians or modern-day liberal Christians. Mm-hmm. They um, called, why aren't we caring for the politics? You know, why aren't we uh, ruling in this way? Why aren't we caring for the poor and doing these earthy things? The, the Herodians grasped for these powers, this power and these occupations, and they were um, focusing specifically on what we might think of as earthly things. Okay. All right? Okay. Um, and here's the thing. Both of them hated Jesus. Mm-hmm. They actually became, you know, co-belligerents. Hmm. They both were demanding a form of separation of church and state. The Pharisees had their version. Let's stick to spiritual, quote-unquote, spiritual things. Mm-hmm. And the Herodians were, you know, quote-unquote, focused on politics, on earthy things. I believe. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to go to the stake over this. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but I do believe modern-day evangelicals, con- the conservative wing, are essentially like the Pharisees. They're separatistic. Um, they think of earthy things in some sort of a lesser, less spiritual way. Okay. Those are temporal matters. The church should be about you know, prayer, saving souls, just dealing with sins inside of our hearts. Mm. The things that are quote-unquote spiritual, quote-unquote Christian, church-related. Okay. Right? Okay. okay, but be, re, recognize what we've been saying thus long. God is sovereign over all. Mm-hmm. We confess his lordship over all, mm-hmm. like Nebuchadnezzar learned the hard way. Not over just what are considered church things. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. We see today politics as earthly, less essential, less spiritual, temporal. Okay. Right? 
I do believe this is in the heart of most conservative evangelical Christians, mm-hmm. and I do believe that this is why they get so irritated by what we're talking about. Okay. The very fact that we have a, thing, a show called God and Government could be irritating to this disposition. Okay. To this sort of separatist, fundamentalist disposition. Okay. Right? But I do believe this is why, and here's, this is my heart, this is why we don't have much of an answer to the social justice movement. Okay. Oh. The social justice okay. movement is claiming Christ. They're historically just progressive Christians. They're liberal Christians coming out of liberation theology, coming out of a social, ju- social gospel and whatnot, for those of you who are uh, familiar with these things. Mm-hmm. They're saying, you Christians don't care about prison reform. You don't care about, you know, all of life. You don't care about uh, justice and racial equality. Hmm. They're just hammering us with all of these things that we have no word for, hmm. no answer to, no response to. This has been going on for a long time in our nation. Hmm. They are picking up the Bible, you know, and they are nitpicking and pulling certain parts of it, mm-hmm. often leaving behind the atonement, leaving behind the gospel, and saying we need to care about earthly things, mm-hmm. temporal things. And, mm-hmm. and they are dominating politics. Hmm. And, and we have no answer. We have no basis for addressing these issues, right? generally speaking. Mm-hmm. This is why I personally believe the social justice movement, the concern for temporal matters and earthly matters and justice, is by and large um, in control of black churches. Whereas the Pharisee, separatist, spiritual, prey, doctrine, is largely in control of white churches. Hmm. I do believe the Democrat and Republican parties, you know, know how to play these, this Herodian and Pharisee faction. They hmm. know how to play us like a fiddle. And I believe the only way to bring these two together is to establish a basis for social justice, for theory, for mm-hmm. social theory, for acknowledging Christ's lordship over all areas. Mm-hmm. And I do, I do believe this is what Christian activism should be about. Mm-hmm. We should take up our Bibles and we should say, this is what God says about prison, prison reform, racial equality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, drugs and alcohol and marijuana this is what he says about quarantines and this is what he says about work and the doctrine of work and the power of the magistrate Hmm. we need to have something to stand on we need to have a response to these things god has a lot to say about the social sphere amen amen about public policy about politics we need about the protection of the marginalized Amen. Amen. God has plenty to say about that. He also has plenty to say about the atonement and sin and the need for justification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. I believe that this Phariseeism, this separatism, this politics is dirty. Why are pastors talking about this? Mm. This refusal to confess Christ's lordship over all areas of life, I do believe is at the heart of why our nation is so politically fractured. Hmm. The church is no longer salt. The church is no longer confessing Christ. The sword of the spirit is dull. Hmm. And we are being tyrannized. We are being and we will continue to be trampled under the feet of we're the not, Gentiles. We're not tyranny proof. Not no, yet. Not yet. Working on it. We've left <laughs> the world to the devil. And we are all crossing our fingers and can't wait to be raptured out of here where we can enjoy all the spiritual blessings that we've been thinking about all this time. Hmm. 
We cannot leave the world to the devil. The world is the Lord's. The earth and the fullness thereof, as David Riley said earlier. And why would we leave the world to the devil? Why would we allow people who reject the atonement to engage in politics while we don't? This is why I think the Herodians, who are largely are in power in the civil sphere, don't care about our morals. They don't care about our virtues. And as soon as we start talking about them, bam, here they come with the propaganda, separation of church and state. Keep us in our little, our little private prayer closets. Mm. This mm. is what I do believe is happening. Now, I'm mm. speaking fast. I'm shooting from the hip. People who don't like me or who want to snipe me about this are going to have plenty to say. But listen to this whole overarching concept. Right. Well, I think this we, is why. Let me say this. Yeah. This is why we are non-essential. I said it. <laughs> this so, is why our church buildings have become desolate. The yeah. houses of jackals and buzzards. Hmm. And why pastors are standing up and preaching to empty rooms like clowns. Hmm. This is why we are, like, we are on the same level as baseball parks hmm. and Astro World. We're irrelevant. We have nothing to say. Mm. This is why the church is on the same level of all those other uh, bread and circus movie theaters um, organizations. Mm. This is why our political leaders do what is right in their own eyes. And then we pick sides. We fight amongst ourselves. Mm. But God is asking, whom shall I send? Who will be a prophet? Who shall go? Who will confess the lordship of Christ over these yahoos? Who will confess the lordship of Christ over the civil authorities? Hmm. Who, will, who will confess it? I'm not called as a minister in the civil sphere. I'm called as a minister and the word of God is my tool. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm called as a minister in the church and I'm called as a father in the family. But I hope and pray that Christ Church can raise up young men and women mm. like Joseph, David, Samuel, Josiah, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. The list goes on and on right. who hear God's calling. Send us. We will go and we will publicly confess Jesus is Lord over all of life. Hmm. Oh, you have fire? You know, light a match. Oh, you have wild animals? Do what you will. But I will not blaspheme the name of my Lord and say that he needs to submit to Caesar. Hmm. No, Caesar needs to submit. Caesar needs to render to him. Hmm. Hmm. All of Christ in all of life. All of life. Hmm. So I got a good question for you here, though. So this is from Jonathan Dupuy, old friend. Um, hey, we talked about nice to have friends these days. Nice to have them. Yeah, he says, "How do we address political things from the pulpit without being just like that political? Just like I just did. Just like you just did. So break it down. Open your Bible, preach the word. I believe in expository preaching. Mm -hmm. I believe the minister has derived authority, and that derived authority comes through the word of God. Open your Bible and preach the relevant passages of the Bible." Mm. I mean, that's what we're already doing in the authorized areas. Mm -hmm. We open our Bibles and we preach about abortion. Well, I, I hope we are. Right. I know many aren't. Right. You know, different churches have different acceptable topics. Right. right. There's like a, it's called the Overton Window. 
it, it, whatever fits inside this little uh, window of acceptable speech is considered nice language. You're when allowed you go to talk outside, about it. You're allowed to talk about that. You're not rude. You step outside of that, you're going to be called arrogant, gauche, rude, not nice. Mm-hmm. Right? But the minister has to have his Overton window drawn by the word of God. And guess what? It's everything. It's all of life. Mm-hmm. There's no boundaries. There's no limits. Mm-hmm. So you open your Bible, and under fear and threat of being fired, under fear and threat of losing a paycheck, of having to subsist on locusts and camel's hair, you preach the word of God. Mm. John the Baptist lost his head because he was trying to get Herod to obey Jesus' sexual, sexual ethics. Hmm. Right? No, you can't do that, Herod. He lost his head for it. Hmm. Right? You have to... And, and I'll just say another thing. It, to be able to preach the Bible and it not bump into what is called politics is nearly impossible. Right. It's nearly impossible. You so, have to... If you preach all of Christ and all of life, you preach the text of Scripture... You're going to be stumbling all in it. You're going to get involved with it some way or another. So how do we, how do we, as those who preach all of Christ and all of life, all of the Bible to everything that goes on in the world around us, how do we look different than the folks who are cherry picking verses to fit their agenda? Now, so like the typical religious right, you know, well, this is my critique of the religious right. Okay. That they just haven't gone far enough. Okay. Right. That they they are only pulling from certain evangelically approved topics, mm-hmm. and um, I think they just need to go further. I think they need to open up the Bible, take the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the way it is it has worked out is in some churches you can talk about racial equality other churches you can talk about abortion mm-hmm. but neither the two shall mix they they don't yeah, they you just don't I talk about those things it's the minister that has to free his people to talk about these things mm. by saying it first mm. like part of my job is to make it so that people at Christ Church can talk politics and that requires from being the bible out in front that requires me saying it and everyone noticing oh he didn't he didn't get assassinated Right? He didn't lose his job. Mm-hmm. He's still serving the Lord. I don't need to be afraid. I can speak truth to power. I can engage in this too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of the minister's job. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why when he stands behind the pulpit, he opens up the word of God. He is God's minister and nobody else's. Mm. His calling comes ultimately from God. Ooh. Amen. I hope that helps, Jonathan. You know, <laughs> you've got some sermons to prep. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's very helpful, at least for me, um, to be able to think through these things. And I'm sure for other people out there. Um, Amen. We are knocking on an hour already. Let's do it. Let's, we're done. We're my done. coffee's out. <laughs> Look, guys. Equal opportunity offenders, Jonathan Dupuy says. <laughs> I know. Well, that's what you say before you begin the sermons. Say, you know, yeah. I offended you guys last week. I'm going to offend you this week. And you try to try to tiptoe in there. Yeah. Um, do the best right. you can. I found from personal experience that tiptoeing um, isn't very effective. Mm. Like, you, you, it's hard to do that bait and switch thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I've I found from personal experience it's best just to 
Just say Stand it. on the word of God. Go forth. Um, if, you'll, if people don't notice, I'm, I try to base everything I, I have on Scripture. Um, some of his historical understanding, like my, my analogy of the Pharisees and Herodians, sure. that comes from a historical understanding. Looking at Polycarp. Polycarp. Yeah. People can debate with those, particular, those particulars. Yeah. But if someone wants to debate, this is what they have to answer. Hmm. Should we or should we not conf- confess Christ's lordship over the civil authorities? Hmm. Mm-hmm. If the answer is no... You know, live and let live. Right. But I do believe the Bible says, as Nebuchadnezzar, he's Lord over all. And again, we're not saying that now the church is the authority over the state. No, no one's ever said that. And we're not saying that the state can have the authority over the church. Everybody's that got is, their own lane. That is, I think, functionally what everyone thinks. But it's <laughs> the, not true. Right, right. Yeah. Everybody's got their, their spheres. But it is yeah. the church's job to prophetically say to all spheres, Amen. this is what the Word of God yeah, says. Yeah, the family has the rod. Mm-hmm. The church has the word and Lord's Supper and baptism, and the state has the sword. Each sacred sphere ordained by God with ministers in each have been given the tools mm-hmm. to exercise mm-hmm. God's will on earth. Mm-hmm. We should all be praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done Amen. on earth as it is already in heaven. Amen. That's what this is all about. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. All right, guys. Well, thank you all so much for joining with us. We got, there's so many comments this time around. We're already knocking in an Did hour. Did we stumble on something interesting? Well, people are, people are talking, man. They're, they're engaged. They're, they're having conversations even just in our comment feed right now. We'll try to get around to commenting on all of them if, can, if we can. That's right. And uh, so we'll be checking the feed after we conclude this week's show, get in there and address some of these questions and comments. Um, I want to also encourage you, if you have an additional question or comment, you can email me, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at wearechristchurch.com. Um, maybe if you want some recommended readings, we would be more than happy to provide those to you. You could email me and we'll get those out sure. um, for all those particular things. And then um, don't forget to be checking us out on sermonaudio.com. Search We Are Christ Church to find all these podcast feeds. We are launching independent podcast feeds. What, what? And mm. a YouTube channel. Nice. YouTube channel is actually, you can subscribe already if you go to the website. That's right. Mm. Everything's not uploaded there yet, but you can go to our website, wearechristchurch.com slash media and find all that stuff. Um, you can find us on Facebook and we're building up slowly but surely, uh, as you referred to it earlier, the media wing. The, <laughs> the wing. I don't know where it's, I've heard it's kind that of a stubby before. wig at this point. It's not. It's not. I don't know that we could call it a wing yet. Yeah. Uh, but thank you a guys talent. so much for joining with us. <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining with us, and we'll see you all see you next guys. time.